Hey, this is WWE Hall of Famer from the Legion of Doom Road Warrior Animal, and you are listening to the St. Louis Podcast Network. Get ready for a great show. Tell them, Hawk! He's one half of the Road Warriors and the Legion of Doom. The most successful tag team in the world of professional wrestling. He's held the AWA, NWA, WCW, and WWF titles. He snacked on danger and dined on death. He's Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis. And this is the What A Rush Podcast. Now, here's your host, Joe Roderick. Here we go. It's another episode of the What A Rush podcast. I am your host, Joe Roderick, joined alongside by the WWE Hall of Famer, Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis. Joe, what's going on, man? You know, another beautiful day at the Louvre <laughs> here in St. Louis, sitting here in the control booth. Got my grandson, Jacob, here playing with his toys and, and killing my iPad. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just getting ready to do another great episode. Hey, uh, he can say hi if you want. Jacob can Where, make his Jacob, first appearance on the, the uh, podcast. Hi, everybody. Hi. What's up, Jacob? I, I like so his, his school mascot are the Hawks. Yeah, that's right. How man. freaking ironic is that? I know, right? With Road Warrior Hawks, the Hawks. <laughs> that's crazy. Jacob, tell, tell the guys you you play hockey, right? I play for the Saint Peter Spirit. Saint Peter Spirit. Nice. And how many goals you score a game? Like five, no. six. A game? A game, right? You score 30. 30 in a weekend, right? I mean, Jeez. You tell them you like to kill it, don't you? You like flag football too, right? What's your number? 55. 55 after Uncle James, right? That's oh, awesome, boy, man. man. That's how old? He's uh, how old? How old are you, Jacob? Tell me how old you are. Six. Six? God, he's big six-year-old. Yeah, well, it'd be seven pretty soon. I mean, it though. runs in the family, so that's. <laughs> yeah, he'll be, he'll be seven here in about a month, but he's doing all right, man. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, hey, that's another Laurinaitis here on hey, the uh, you never on know. the show. Maybe, maybe Papa paint your face, and you can get in WWE someday or something. <laughs> you, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's cool. Hey, this is our last episode before we will be in New Orleans. We're not exactly sure what we're going to do next week when we are in uh, when we're in New Orleans or how that's going to work. But the next time we post a podcast next Friday. We're going to be in New Orleans. We're going to yeah. be at WrestleCon. New Orleans will be crazy crowded. It will be nuts. Not only just New Orleans itself, man, with a lot of the great eateries and stuff and a lot of the great restaurants. Going to go visit Johnny Sanchez's, Joe. We got to go to Johnny Sanchez's. Where are we going Thursday night? Uh, heck, man, we could even go there. I don't know. We got to we gotta see what, you know, what the schedule is and everything else when I get there, for one. Yeah. And then, uh, but Johnny Sanchez, you know, Ron Sanchez was, has been on the show Chopped. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of the judges on there, and he's a phenomenal cook. And uh, Johnny Sanchez's is excellent and uh, great food. And it's got different kind of food, man. I went in there one day. I think I told you I had venison taquitos. Now, okay. I would have never thought to put venison in with Mexican food, but it was awesome. And the fish tacos, I'm not a fish taco guy, but they were killer. You know, so it'll be a good time. All right. I'm looking forward to uh, to that. So much that we have. We have surprises for you in New Orleans. 
that we're not going to talk about. They're, they are going to be legit surprises that happen in New Orleans if you are going to be there for WrestleMania. We also have a few announcements to, to make as well. First off, while you are listening to this, there is a good chance that you went and you clicked on the link at the brand new roadwarrioranimal.com website that we uh, that we have launched. So we have that up awesome. on the uh, on awesome, the website. Awesome. On that website, if you're if you're just uh, going around toying around with what you can do, you can listen to the podcast. There's a link to our shirt, the podcast shirts, and all of your shirts at Pro Wrestling Tees. There's a link on that website. There's awesome. a there's a calendar that's going to be on that website that's going to show everywhere that Animal is going to be each and every weekend. We have uh, we're going to have a link. What we're going to do? Hey, we get so many texts and tweets every week, emails asking if people could have want they want an autograph. They want an autograph. Sure, of man. Hey, there's going to be, be a way. Pe- you know, people, yes. people are asking me all the time. Where can I go and mail in to get an autograph? Yes. Well, now they have one. It's going to be, they don't even have to mail in. What they'll do is they will go, they will click on this link. There's going to be a PayPal account on there. They're going to pick which uh, which picture they want you to personalize sure. and autograph, yeah. and we're going to mail it out to them. So awesome. it's going to be awesome. that simple. Uh, there's going to be a link on how they could book you to uh, to come out if if you have a free weekend at all in 2018. Yeah, I'm packed. We'll start like booking for 2019. Middle of June. I mean, the first two weeks of June, I don't have anything, but after that, then it starts up again, which, yeah. which is great. But you know. Yeah, e, uh, links to email the show. Uh, just say there, there anything that you need to get in touch with Road Warrior Animal or to listen or support the Water Rush podcast are now there for you at RoadWarriorAnimal.com. dot <laughs> com. You know, funny thing, now that we're speaking to this, I just looked. My wife Kim found it last night. I have a Joe Laurinaitis continued uh, Facebook page that I forgot about. I did it because my Joseph Laurinaitis one, when I knew it was full, so I did a Joe Laurinaitis continued for my fans to go to to, to become friends. <laughs> I forgot all about it, and she pulled it up. She goes, who is this? And I said, that's what I, I did it about 10 years ago, and I forgot all about it. I have to, uh, I'm going to have to take a look at this. If the show sounds any different this week, I do want to mention this, too, because the, the show might actually sound different. Usually we are doing it from right there in your kitchen, but this week, the uh, I I do work on the side for five ninety the fan KFNS in St. Louis, and this week they needed me to fill in on their morning show. So all week long, I have filled in. I've been doing waking up and driving all the way out to uh, Kirkwood, Missouri, to do morning radio from seven to ten on KFNS in St. Louis. So it's it's totally thrown my schedule out of whack. But they have nice studios out here, and they have a podcast studio. So. I was able to get yeah. you to come meet me halfway and awesome, do the show man. from there. Yeah, look at that, right on the patio of a restaurant too. I know, right? I saw that. If you like, uh, if you like candied bacon, you uh, need oh, to go to that bro, place I've next had door. That before it's it's killer, but killer to your to your your bloodstream. <laughs> it's just caked on brown <laughs> it's sugar. Cholesterol attack waiting to happen. <laughs> it's so damn good. I know it is. Oh, really good. they that the best one right there next door at the uh, the restaurant. That they have here. So uh, we have that coming up. We have that website that's uh, that launched this morning that uh, that you can go and do any you get in touch with uh, with animal. You can book animal. You can see where animal is going to be all of that. But the mo- thing I'm most excited for and the thing that we will announce next week on the podcast, it was tweeted out yesterday. I don't even think we've teased it at all on the podcast. We're getting a sister podcast. 
We are. Oh, We're getting a right. sister yeah, podcast man, yeah, yeah. that we are going to announce next week, and that will de- be debuting after WrestleMania. So we will give you all the details for that coming up next week on the uh, on the podcast, too. And this one, I've told some people about it. I've told people in the wrestling business about it. I've told fans about it. And I got to say, if it's trying to tease this as, as best I can, I've had jaws drop when I tell them what the premise of this podcast oh, is going bro. to be. I, yeah, I just hope that <laughs> none of the guys get hot. <laughs> but hey, listen, as long as they keep it clean and as long, as long as it's good, I mean, I think it's going to be good. It comes from a different perspective. Very. I mean, yeah, we're it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we will uh, we'll announce that next week on the uh, on the podcast as well. Lex Luger coming up on the uh, on the show today, but I wanted to get into some things, current product stuff that's going on right now. We are we're we're one Raw and SmackDown away from WrestleMania. They have one more. They each have one show each to get us there to get us that final card, and the one. Okay, we both assume that it's going to be John Cena versus Undertaker at WrestleMania, right? Yeah. I mean, will that, we, will listen, that match be finalized before WrestleMania, or will we go into WrestleMania wondering if it's actually going to happen? You know, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if it, I don't even know if it will be Taker, to be honest with you. I mean, you think maybe it might be Taker, you think not. Maybe that might be a way for think, the business to swerve us, you know what I mean? Everybody thinking, oh, it's got to be Taker, got to be Taker, got to be Taker. And it may be someone totally, bro, it may be Batista coming back. It may be, it could be anybody that comes back for a big payday. Really? You know what I mean? I, oh, you think yeah. they would just. I, I know, but I, I saw that the other day. Someone sent a message the other day uh... to my Facebook, you know, and they were throwing around a bunch of names like Batista and other things. And, you know, they heard there was a rumblings there that he may be showing up. You know, I mean, heck, I, I I don't even know what to think with that match right now. To be honest with you, I thought a good match would have been um, Daniel Bryan in that act, that saga, but he's in with Kevin Owens and those guys. Yeah. Then there's rumors about him even going along with Kevin Owens. Oh, I, I absolutely uh, think that's what's going to happen. You know, and I absolutely a, think that's a, what's going to happen. Be a faction, but because right now, <clears throat> right now, what they need to do. Is figure out what direction Roman Reigns is going to go. Is he going to be a babyface or are he going to be a heel? I, I mean, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's got to pick one or the other because this middle of the road crap is not working for him. I think he cheats to win. I think he cheats to win and then just embraces it. Yeah, if he cheats to win on the biggest stage with someone like Cena, but here's the problem with Cena now. So you're, love, talking, oh, with, you're talking with Lesnar, with Lesnar. Yo, Roman yeah, well, Reigns yeah, and Lesnar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind, never mind. With yeah. Lesnar. Um, the thing with the thing with Cena, but yeah, if he, if he if he cheats with Lesnar, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're going to make Lesnar the big baby face if he signs. If, if well, he doesn't resigns. matter if he signs, it's going to be just whenever the, he comes back. It's going to be a perception of what people are thinking after what they already they already do dislike Roman Reigns the way it is. Mm-hmm. Almost they hate hates a strong word, right? But they already don't like him. What do you think they're going to happen if he screws Lesnar? Who gets half cheers as well? Now you're going to have a clear cut. Oh, Roman Reigns cheated to win. Now Lesnar's going to go after him again for the title. Everyone's going to be behind Lesnar to go get the title back. Yeah, I, if I, he signs, the, that's a big if. The other one you, you mentioned the uh, the Roman Re- or the Daniel Bryan match. That one, 
it's the the news about Shane McMahon having the diverticulitis yeah. and being in the hospital. Yeah. You're you're now that's one of your marquee matchups for WrestleMania that you are Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are great workers. They've been mm-hmm. great workers their entire career. You yeah. see how much the WWE trusts them with how they had them beat up Daniel Bryan yeah. last week and some of the moves they had them do. Oh, yeah. That shows that you you talk all the time about the trust you need to have in the other you guys. You have the trust in your guy doing the moves. They right? have the trust in those guys. But you're having half of that match is a guy who right now is in the hospital with a serious medical condition and a guy who hasn't wrestled in two years because of neck and brain injuries. That's there's a lot of risk in that match. Yeah, but here's the thing, man. It's, it's the wrestling business is like riding a bike. I mean, I can tell you firsthand, Joe. I was out for two years with when I had my lower back surgery, and you know, thought wrestling was done. And as soon as you walk down to the ring, all those butterflies and everything disappear. Then you get that excitement of wanting to get back in the ring and perform. And you actually, I think, perform better because you appreciate it more. Because you're, it's almost like getting a second chance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for someone like him, man, Daniel Bryan, he's a, he, listen, you, every time he goes to the ring, you have everybody in the stands, whether it's 2,000 or it's 30,000, standing up and going, yes, 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 yes. So I think I think he's going to be fine in that match. Um, the, the question mark is Shane McMahon. Um, you know, the diver you know, that is, a lot of that's caused by stress, too. You know what I mean? A lot of those diseases, you don't know what could have impacted and got that triggered off to get that started. It could have been that butt kicking that he took from Kevin Owens. I mean, he did some really crazy things there. Yeah, he did. I mean, choking with the chair. How, you know, okay, pow, that, I mean, that looks bad. When you have a chair around your neck, that looks bad. But when you do break it down and you look at how... That I mean, what what is actually happening there? How do you brace for that? Eh, it's, it's you just gotta learn to like what people don't really see with it is when you put your your how you react when you hit the post and come back or you know if you if you're like a super ball with it you know what I mean and bounce off or if you have your hand if they have his hands on the post underneath it that the people can't see you know what I mean. Right. There's a lot of tr- contributing factors on how that move can be done. I mean, it's, listen, it's not the first time that move's been done in our business. Well, no, no, absolutely not. You know, and then then you have everything else on top of that, though. Going backstage, getting your crap kicked out of you, you know, and then uh, getting power bombed on the gurney backstage. Well, that really wasn't the bad part about it, you know. I mean, the way sh- the way Shane sold it, I, I'll tell you what, I got to give him props. He sold it like he was dying. Mm-hmm. The only thing I think that the crew has got to do better, though, to make it more realistic is that medical crew went in there and, and start rolling them over immediately without even checking any symptoms. <laughs> I, I mean, what kind of EMT does that? There's no blood pressure. There's no checking. How's your windpipe? How's your airway? Are you okay? Are you coherent? Nothing. And there's the rolling them over trying to get a neck brace on them. I like uh, They this, were putting it on backwards. This past week. <laughs> When Paul Heyman was in the uh, was in the ring, he mentioned the word script. He talked about yeah. going down to your local MMA uh, place and dressing up guys as U.S. Marshals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he went a lot of behind the curtain lingo and oh and boy, I, I was like, laughing. I, I didn't. I wasn't watching it head on, but I, I think I was cooking dinner or something. I was, 
giggling because I, I heard Paul Heyman go on a rant. I said, oh, this is great stuff here, man. Yeah, that one, those were uh, those were pretty good that he uh, that he did. I mean, it's just I, an ominous look. With, mm-hmm. with him talking and Lesnar just sitting there jumping up and down, running in place, look at it's just like it, 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 you'd have to be a moron to think, is anybody going to beat this guy? Yeah. I mean, in reality, cheat to win. and that that might be what happens, Joe. And he, Brock may have the business. Brock might have, might have outgrown the business, and I say that when it gets to be the point where no one believes that anyone can beat you for real, right? Then, then that's an issue. Yeah, and he's you know look at the, look at his past year and the guys that he's been beating just by hitting them with his. With the uh, F five, just oh, yeah. once, Let's... just one. When you hit Braun, for as much as they've so they've built, been bringing building Brock Lesnar up, they've also been building Braun Strowman up. He has beat Braun Strowman by hitting one F five, not yeah. three. It's not like he had him hit three to put him away. Yeah. He hit one and put him away. And you kind of look at that and you go, you know, like that. That but really that does might, take Braun Strowman down. That too. might be though. I think here's what I think. I think that Brock's going to come back. And I think the money they think and they believe in is with Braun Strowman. I think they believe that if Braun Strowman can come out there and get an upper hand on Brock and take the title off of Brock, that's what I think they want to have happen. Mm. That's personally what and I think on it. We, uh, we'll have more. Uh, we'll be able to talk a little more about this coming up next week when we know the final card for WrestleMania 34 down in. New Orleans. Anything else on your uh, on your mind before we take a break and get to uh, Lex Luger? Anything nah, in the business man. at all? You were you. We didn't even mention down in. You were down in Georgia last weekend oh, with my bro, god, the amount of names Georgia you were down there with. Phenomenal. I did. I did an appearance. Uh, Brian Nobbs and those guys started a company down there, and uh, I got to see the Nasty Boys. Jimmy god, that's Hart. Scary to think that the oh, Nasty bro. Boys are starting a company I, in their I, business, bro, man. Listen, people don't realize what great guys Nobbs and Sags are. Probably two of my dearest friends in the wrestling business, you know, and it, we it, it, every time you get around each other, it's like you go back to when we first knew each mm-hmm. other twenty years ago, you know, and um, you know we had we had Jimmy Hart was there, and you had uh, Lex Luger filled in for Vader, you know, and, I, and listen, first of all, I want to wish Vader well wishes, man. I hope he, mm-hmm. I heard a surgery went well, and I hope Good. everything's okay, and I hope he makes it through and. With flying colors and everything else, Leon's a fighter, man. He's not a, he's not a weak guy at all by any means. But yeah, man, I got to see uh, Lex Luger, and I got to see. Uh, let me see. I said the Nasty Boys. Who else was down? Was there? Bischoff down there? Diviase was down there. I had the best time with Eric Bischoff, man. We were telling stories at the bar. We were laughing our rear ends off. Bischoff is a great guy, and of course Ted Diviase, I've known for years. What I need to do, I mean, God, it's enough. I, I'm talking to listeners now. It's enough on me to teach Joe how to Facebook Live and to teach him how to tweet and use hashtags and all the other stuff. I have, I do have in my possession a piece of equipment that all we have to do is plug one microphone into it and the other end into a cell phone. And you know what? Animal can go and record these interviews when he's with these guys, and I'm not able to make these trips. Like, we yeah. have we yeah, have yeah, the technology this, this to do it. Interview, Joe. This it's, is just a fun time <laughs> BS session with the guys. This is kind of off-camera stuff. What, okay. off well, what do you think stuff. it's going to be when we're in New Orleans and we're in the, in the hotel room with these guys in microphones? Yeah. yeah. Hey, but good thing about New Orleans is that we'll be able to get these guys. I mean, they're going to be extremely busy, but we have the chance of getting some of these guys on our podcast and do some interviews but yeah yeah but listen 
this is all networking stuff. It's uh, a, uh, We all know that we can uh, have each other's back when yeah. we need to call on each other to do an interview or anything. So, I mean, these guys are all going to be okay for us in the future. So. And you're, uh, you're this weekend, you are off another one of your grandchildren. I'm uh, having a birthday. my granddaughter nice. Hayden's birthday party, and I'm excited to see not only my son James and his family, but I'm get to, I get to see my son Joe and my and his family with my other three grandkids. Uh, we're all staying at the same house in Nashville. Awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, and Jacob Rooney, you're going too, right, buddy? How old is uh, How old is Hayden's going to be one year one. old. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. So Jacob, you're going to help open boy. all the presents, right? I know. Of that's course. what. Yeah, that's, Jake, my yeah. nephew just turned one a few weeks ago, and the whole time driving up there, all, all, my, all my son wanted to do was talk about Hudson was just talking. I'm going to help him open presents. I'm going to help him. <laughs> like, okay, you know you don't get to keep those when you open them, though, right? Yeah, I get to see uh, Claire, Ty, and Sadie, right? My other three can't get that. Those are your cousins. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, man. So, it's, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be a blast. That's awesome. Uh, we will take a short break. When we come back, Lex Luger on the other side. This is Andy Hanselman, president of the St. Louis Podcast Network. How would you like to be part of the What a Rush podcast? Sponsorship opportunities are now available and more affordable than you would imagine. Wrestling podcasts are the hottest thing going in the podcast world right now. Some being listened to by hundreds of thousands of wrestling fans, just like yourself. If you would like to get in on the ground floor of the What A Rush podcast, hosted by Road Warrior Animal, please contact Joe Roderick at roadwarriorpodcast at gmail.com. Have a WWE Hall of Famer promote your product to other loyal wrestling fans and see what these guys can do for you. And welcome back into the What A Rush podcast. Joe Roderick, Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis here with you. And we're joined this week by the Lex Express. He is Lex Luger joining us now. Lex, man, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. You, you know, Joe, I, I got to tell you, man, as you know, you, you get into the wrestling business and you don't know where your future is going to take you, man. But I'll tell you what, man, I, I get to know Lex on a different level than a lot of guys do, man. I'm telling you, he is one of the, most, the top quality just people not forget what he did in his accolades with wrestling, man, but just a great quality guy in the wrestling business, man. And every time I get to see him on the road, I mean, it's just a privilege to see him. And uh, we we always have a lot of fun together. So, Lex, wow, it's, thank it's, you, Animal. That's great. Well, words. you know, I, you're I, mutual, my friend. Yeah, thank I don't you. get to get mushy very often, you know, but yeah, <laughs> every wow. once in a while I do it. Oh, <laughs> so with these, Lex, we you know we've we've interviewed a lot of guys, and there's somewhere you know when the first meeting took place, or you know you know when the first match and when their first match was. But your relationship with Joe goes a lot further back than that. So when was the first time that you met the Road Warriors? Wow, it was in Tampa at the wrestling show. Of course, I knew who and of the Road Warriors, obviously. I was, had just trained and just broken in to wrestling. I met him at the building there. And to be honest with you, I told Animal this a while ago, I was a nervous wreck. Not just because I was going to meet the Road Warriors, but I didn't realize the guys had all ribbed me, and I didn't realize that their entrance music was exclusively to them. I didn't know the ins and outs of the business yet, so I was scared to death because I had been using their entrance bit of music, which was a big no-no, and nobody smartened me up, none of the other boys. So I was going to meet the Road Warriors the first time I'd been playing their entrance music. So Adam and Hawk... Roll up now, 
I'll back up a minute. The last time they were in Tampa, I was start, I was training to break into wrestling. I hadn't broken up yet. And my the gym owner at the gym I was training at went to the matches. He came back to the next and goes, hey, Lex, man, you better start hitting the gym a little harder. He goes, you got, you got a ways to go. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, I just saw the Road Warriors last night. <laughs> <laughs> I go, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> but it worked as an inspiration for me. Uh, I mean, the first time I saw them in person, that they were just so impressive physically. But getting back to the first time I laid eyes on them, uh, Animal and Hawk walked up to me and Hawk, because <laughs> hey, I think we might, I think we might have a problem tonight. And I'm like, <laughs> I go, I'm thinking, well, I don't think we do. He goes, well, I hear we're using the same entrance music. I go, not anymore. I go, I changed mine. Goes, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You, you know, and, and it's kind of funny, Joe. You know, because we go down there, and you see Lex in there, and you go, my God, this guy looks like a giant Fabio. He's a good-looking guy, right? abs at 270 pounds very few guys had abs at 270 and lex was always just shredded man and you know you, you got to go back to pedigree i mean lex was an nfl guy and that's another thing he and i had in common you know because with james and everything else you know going mm-hmm. to the nfl and mm-hmm. we talked about that quite a bit but yeah man lex has got the nfl pedigree trained got trained by a great trainer down there in tampa and then got into mm-hmm. the wrestling business so we we knew from going in and working for kevin sullivan that they just weren't hiring anybody at that time to come in in Tampa, because Florida had a Florida Championship Wrestling had its own deal back then with the Grams running it and stuff. So we knew that they had some plans for this guy. And getting back to subject animal, I had never experienced in person uh, your guys' entrance. So that night, man, I was at the curtain watching you guys, and uh, and uh, I know it sounds like a mutual admiration society here at the beginning of our talk here, but I got to say, um, of all the entrances ever in professional wrestling, um, you ever talks about the Undertaker and certain guys had and have had that extraordinary entrance with the music and the crowd reaction and the electricity. Um, man, to this day, I can't, I, I think unparalleled, <clears throat> maybe Undertaker, but the response and reaction, they, you guys were a sight to behold in response to the crowd and combination of the music. What a man! That was that was something else to witness for the first time. It was incredible. Well, you know, I think what's good about this, Les. I mean, you know, of course, with us, with the guys, we all josh each other and jab each other and kid around with each other all mm-hmm. the time. But you know, uh, you know, and we look at it. You know, as, you know, we're, we're giving the admiration thing right now. But really, with the fans aspect of it, they don't get to hear this kind of stuff. They don't get to hear kind of that were, were kind of like real guys all outside of the ring as well as being performers, mm. you know what I mean? So it's good for them to hear this kind of talk and to know the respect that people have with each other and, uh, you know, and, and the admiration and respect. Because, listen, it takes a lot of work and a lot of, lot of uh, training to get to the level that you got to, that I got to, not only in the ring but physically itself. And it's just you, you just don't wake up looking like that. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah, then to maintain it on the on the road traveling like we did to eat properly and get to the gym. It took a lot of a lot of extra effort. So we did guys of, with our particular pedigree like you talk about, trying to maintain a, a good level of conditioning in the ring which the fans expected and we wanted to give the fans. It took a lot of extra work. So we when we went to the different cities 
I know animal, we would, first thing we do was we fly to different city a lot of times every day and a lot of the guys would go to the hotel and go to sleep. But, but Sting and I and the Steiner brothers and you guys, we have to grab our bags, go to the hotel, change our workout clothes and go right to the gym before we went to the building. And we had, we kind of had that and, and try to grab a good healthy meal or something. So we kind of had that in common too. And, uh, which brings back a lot of memories as well. You know, Joe, you talk a lot about the uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger book that you got as a young kid, and that kind of taught mm-hmm. you how to properly bodybuild, how to get muscle. And mm-hmm. even back in the back in the eighties, right now, when I'm in the gym, I'm I'm constantly on my phone reading stuff. I'm always reading, you know, what should I be eating, what should I be taking, that kind of stuff. So back in the eighties, I mean, aside from bo- uh, the Joe, what was the book called? The uh, the art Ed- educational bodybuilder edu- Arnold. Yeah. So yeah, Lex, that was what a great book. was that? Was that your kind of go to, or, or did, what did you? I mean, what, how did you guys know what to eat? Oh yeah, I mean, pumping what- iron, and I love football. I I did weight training for football, but I loved. I watched that original pumping iron movie with with Arnold and Lou Ferrigno, and and I read all the books by him and the old time bodybuilders Franco Colombo. So that was my education a lot of my training stuff that i learned was out of out of those kind of books that go back old school now we get everything off right in these smartphones in our hands right but back then you had to read books and yeah i, I had a very similar love for it and uh, consumed anything i could the magazines muscle and fitness and back then there was a magazine called iron man and uh there's all kind of stuff all kind of stuff that we, we just devoured back then for sure yeah, you know, it, it's kind of funny about, you know, two different areas of the country and very similar pathways to get to to the, to the training. You know, you know, it was really, really funny, Joe. You know, uh, <laughs> I remember when uh, when Hawk and I were getting, you know, of course, I ate everything in sight back then, and I was power lifted, lifting heavy and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, Le- and Lex was a strong guy, too. Don't, I mean, let's not. Well, not know. as strong as you what guys. Were you, what yeah. were you benching back then, Lex? Um, I was like in the low fives, probably. Oh, that's uh, all, huh? <laughs> at my best. But, God. Those, those, but uh, Animal could rep that uh, as he was warming up to get, get to where he trained. Though. So, I wasn't in their category strength-wise. God, you guys were something else. Yeah, oh, but, but, but you know, we, we were talking about how, you know, it, you know, just the intestinal fortitude it takes and and, and it's drives and, and bro i'm telling you i think it goes back to good parenting lex had great parents we've talked about this before mm-hmm. you know his parents installed some of that driver determination to work hard and there's no substitute for the both the mother and father figure and and in, in, in rearing somebody you know and, and 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 lex looking at all those books and reading all those books i mean i'll, I'll never forget the first time you know, here I am. I, I was always the fit guy, right, Joe? And, and, right. and Lex knows it. I was always the fit guy. So when I got the, mm-hmm. we got the ring with with Lex and Sting. I said, "Crap, I got to start changing." <laughs> I, I said, "I'm in here. Both these guys got abs and everything else, and here I am, just one big giant ab." You know, I said, <laughs> "I got to try to change my look a little bit." And it's funny though, in following their training principles and dieting, because because I did start to diet, I did do that. I did, you know. I say trim down. I mean, I probably trimmed down from like 310 to about 280, <laughs> you know, but, but still, but it, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's funny when you get in a ring because listen, that little thing in your, in the male system that's called testosterone, right? It just gets you in your head and it gets in that little, the little uh, man on your shoulder saying, you got to train harder. You got to train harder. You got to train harder. You're getting in a ring with somebody that looks equally as good. It's great, fun, good competition. 
Don't you yeah, think we like- about the show business aspect of it, but yeah, we definitely inspired and challenged each other back then with the look that was so popular back then. And it's still popular today. There's guys coming in all shapes and sizes, and they did back then too. We had an era where where the being in shape and and uh, working out at the gym was uh, was a really big deal. We definitely inspired uh, each other without a doubt. And challenge we're competitive. Part of the show business, but we're also competitive in the ring. Not only to have best match possible, but also to, to to come to work prepared and have the best look possible. So I, I totally agree with the animal for sure. Yeah, and you have you know now now with the performance centers, they kind of can do everything all at once, all at one place mm-hmm. where. You know, when you're traveling to places, there there weren't just wrestling rings set up. You you guys couldn't go, you know, into a random gym and work in a ring and work on taking bumps or work on any of your moves there like like you can today at some of these places. Well, you know, but today, Joe, you got to understand, and Alex will tell you the same thing. We we got in the ring. We said, okay, what's what's the end result? And we knew wanted to know what our finish was, and that's all we needed to know. We really didn't need to go over – 15 different types of high spots and sit there and go to the ring, get there at noon to get, try to find a ring to run everything over, over and over and over. We never even stepped ring until we got there that night at the building at the, for our match. Yeah. Once I'm on a pay-per-views, we'd walk through some stuff. Plus risk factor, all, all things aside, ball is wrestling real or, or you guys must have fun there. Like, or is wrestling fake that age old question, but the bumps are all real. The injuries are real. So really, as many times as we wrestle every year, hundreds of times, you weren't going to go in there earlier in the day and you might do a walkthrough at a big pay-per-view, but you wouldn't want to risk taking a lot of bumps and stuff practicing your match because that, even a practice bump, you could get injured. So that was part of it as well, don't you think, Animal? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would never want to go to the building today and get there early and go over my whole match with somebody because, heck, I could run across the ring from turnbuckle to turnbuckle and blow out a knee. And yeah. you do that, then now you got no match for the night for the people, for the show, for anything else. And and if you're, you know, like all we were, I mean, if you're listening to the main event, now you've just kind of hosed the house a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. The um, yeah. How how closely do you follow the product today, Lex? Oh, I, I I love it. I still follow it pretty closely. Keep up with all the guys, and because we do a lot of fan. Uh, interaction with at fan festivals where we meet the fans, which is what I love doing. I get to see that not only uh, get to see the guys again, but we get to interact with the fans, unlike we did when we wrestled, because there'd be security, we're in the back, the high five and touring from the ring. But the fan festivals we go to, um, we have a great time interacting with the fans, get to talk to them some and share some of the stories that they have and that we have. And that, that's, a, that's a, a, a big part of what we do now. So I, I love doing that. What's a what's a story that you get a lot? I don't, Joe. I don't think I've even asked you this a lot. Like, what's the the top story that some that a fan will come up and and say something to you? Is there is there one that sticks out more than others? Um, I usually get a hor- questions about what was it like to be one of the horsemen, which was the early part of my career. The other main one was the Lex Express, and and what was it like to slam Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid on July Fourth with the Skyline, the background, and flying on the helicopter and be the last guy to finally slam Milkers in, which was huge. Uh, adrenaline rush for the fans and for me and everybody. And the other one was what was it like to be probably Hulk Hogan alive on, on Raw that time because that got a huge response. 
for the world title. He had never lost a world title match on a live television show before. So that was a huge honor. And so those are probably the top three for me, I would say. How I don't how about you, uh Animal. Oh, yeah, those two, man, the thing with Yokozuna and Hogan, I mean, those were huge. I mean, even, even Hawk and I were sitting back, that's awesome, man. We were saying, uh, I remember the Hawk and I were talking to him, I'm so happy for Lex. Those are huge yeah. big mm-hmm. moments in our business, man. Those are those are top dog main event type moments, you know. I think the ones for me were, um, uh, one of the questions I get asked all the time is, did you really dig Dusty's eye out with the spike? <laughs> We attacked him. We were heels, and they go, you know, "If you look at on George's championship wrestling, we're digging his eye out with a spike." And people mm. actually thought we did it. And to be honest, with you, this spike never touched his forehead, but we did it. And of course, Dusty was the ultimate consummate professional and sold it the proper way. And the other one is, you know, hey, who was the your most favorite tag team to wrestle against or faction? And again, it, w- it was the Horsemen. I told everybody it was the Horsemen because. We had the longest run with the Horsemen there with the NWA. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, and and I think my third one would be, um, you know, we went over to Japan one time, and uh, one of the same guys that uh, you wrestled, Lex, when uh, you know, Hulk Hogan came in the locker room and said, "Hey, which one of you guys are going to press slam me?" I said, "I'll do it," and I press slam him in Tokyo Dome. So, oh wow! <laughs> I get I get against Tenryu and Hawk and I uh, had battled Hogan and Tenryu. So, yeah, those are pretty much the top top three things in my book too man but you, as you can tell as a fan any one of those scenarios is a huge moment for the wrestling fan man that mm-hmm. is not only huge for us but it's great for them too yeah you guys had a i didn't have a japanese wrestling career i went over there a few times but you guys had a had a career people some people realize that you guys had a full-on wrestling career here in this uh other parts of the world but in japan you guys were Absolutely enormous. We're a regular uh, featured attraction over there. And the, man, the first time I went to the Tokyo Dome, around eighty thousand people. That that is, it is different over there. But wow, that is something else over there, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy, man. I love Japan. I mean, you know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I go to, I still, I went, I went over there about four months ago, and um, for a guy named Jimmy Suzuki, he's got a company called Diamond Star, and I went in there, and it's, it's just so humbling today. I mean, and I know your lifestyle has changed, like my lifestyle has changed, and we'll get into that a little bit. But I sit there as a humble guy, and I look, and there's Hawk and I's picture on the outside awning of Ribera Steakhouse. Wow. Hawk's eating a piece of steak. I'm eating a piece of steak. He's doing the most muscular. I'm doing a double bicep, and I'm saying, are you kidding me? Those pictures for the were fans tw- out there, explain the, explain the steakhouse over that. That's like a landmark, I mean— yeah. Iconic landmark over there. Correct? Yeah, that that's like eating uh, like Ruth Chris here in the U.S. Or I mean, not the same quality as Ruth Chris. Let me take that back. But <laughs> but yeah, you know. But it, it, but in in Japan, if you are a wrestling fan, like they still on a Friday and Saturday night have a line of at least probably fifty people waiting to get in because mm-hmm. it has to do primarily with American wrestling stars. Mm-hmm. And you'll you will find an American wrestling star in there any night of the week eating steak. 
And Ribera, I, I just, it's funny, you know, it, uh, Lex, you remember my company, Zubaz. Uh, we we just oh, made, yeah. we just made Robert steak. I got house. a pair in my closet right now for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> I'm back here in Buffalo. We 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 just got I done made... on game day when I watched the game with my with my hoodie. That's funny, man. Matching Bills hoodie, yeah. That's funny. We 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 just made uh, 750 uh, hoodies for Robert Steakhouse with the Robert's mm. logo on them and the black on black zebra hoodie. So we nice. I stay in contact with with, with Toshi. Uh, it's Robert's kid now that runs the one in. Uh, and uh, Maguro Ku and Gotanda, the two locations. Yeah, but man, the Japanese, uh, the American fans, if you ever get a chance to go to Japan, to Tokyo especially, and go to Ribera Steakhouse, you will you will definitely be enthralled on the stuff there. They have even have a they have a glass case in there with, with uh, a pair of Hawks uh, white shoulder pads, spike shoulder pads in in the corner. Wow. Yeah. I've never been there. I've never been there, animal. Oh, you got to be kidding me! No, I'm oh, Lex, geez, you would you would love it. I mean, it's just when you go in there, he's got these boards up top that are three layers thick and three levels thick. It's like a giant Rubik's cube. He knows oh who's coming God. in town, and he shovels all these pictures around. And when you're in there, your pictures up at the front. Oh my oh, yeah. goodness! And when you look in there, and I see some of these pictures, and I looked at myself, my lord. I said, what in the world was I eating back then? Because I, I even amazed myself on how big I was. I looked, I said, oh, yeah. is that even humanly possible? Because I don't, you know, I, I today I look at myself and I say, I, I, I can't, you know, even though I'm still a, you know, 268 pound right. guy, back then I was 315, 310. And I look at you, you know, I Lex would say, I had like 24 inch arms at one time. Yeah. I look like a leg and I'm going, my Lord, how did I even get dressed or get shampoo my hair or anything, you know? Mm hmm. So you were saying lifestyle, Joe. You were talking yeah. about uh, that. I mean, going back in the day, Lex, you mentioned you know being part of the Four Horsemen, running around oh, those yeah. guys. I know, you know, Joe. You've told stories and you've talked about all the times you're hanging out with Ric Flair just as as friends. Yeah. But you know, Rick had to had to live the lifestyle. He had to go out on, on the road and, and live that lifestyle too. So I imagine you you, know, you got roped into that being a part of the Horsemen with him. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, we, it was the mentality back in our day was it was kind of the work hard play hard uh, it wasn't just us it was that way in the entertainment industry as well uh, athletes um, actors uh, bands that uh, in the music industry we came from an era of work hard play hard so that uh, sometimes when I was with the horseman I felt like uh, and, and tr hanging out with with uh, the nature boy felt like I didn't sleep for sometimes a week at a time it was it was it was definitely Definitely crazy, without a doubt. Now, we, of course, now we had to balance that a little bit with still staying in the gym and training, eating properly. So there was some early on through the early part of my career that I had that I was able to find a balance with that. But yeah, it was it was definitely pretty crazy for sure back in the day. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was nuts. I was telling Joe sometimes player would walk up to the bar and say, "Give me, give me." 20 kamikazes, 10 for animal, 10 for me. Uh, that was Flair's MO, and his kamikazes had half the booze. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, no doubt about it. So I've heard he he watered. I heard rumors he'd watered the plants sometimes when he'd be uh, out drinking, maybe. Oh yeah, he 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 poured a kamikaze on my shoe one time. Didn't know my shoe was down <laughs> on the floor. Oh yeah, I had brand new, back back in the day. We were getting free Reeboks from a, a guy named Mike Longo, and remember that in, in Boston or Baltimore. Oh, yeah. And uh, Mike Longo was giving all of us free Reeboks, and all of a sudden I had a brand new pair of Reeboks on, and 
Next thing you know, my toes are toes are wet and they're squishing when I walk. And I said, "What are you doing? You're pouring your drink in my shoe, man." <laughs> I caught him. Yeah. Well, Rick was a catalyst, so he kept those trays of uh, shooters coming and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Rick lived for that. Afterwards, after the matches and stuff, he he wanted to keep the party going. You remember, he used to tip the band like a thousand dollars to play play a few more songs, just so they they'd keep the bar open a few hours later. So yeah, it was a few minutes later. So it was it was definitely pretty full throttle, both uh, in the gym during the day, in the ring at night, and afterwards as well, for sure. A lot of the time, not every night, but a lot of the time. And then yeah, so that's I'm sure if I just sat down. How many, okay, how long could we go with stories if we weren't recording right now? With Flair? Yeah. Oh, Flair stories? Yeah. If we weren't, uh, if we weren't recording. Oh, uh, you'd be here for a week. You'd be in the 2019. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, Without it, a doubt. and not every one of them are PG, I'll tell you that. When was, what, what was the first title you won, Lex? Um, I, it, Actually, I was down in Florida time. It was the Southern Heavyweight Championship for the first big title I, I I uh, won in the WCW NWA uh, days was the U.S. title. And uh, so you walk in that day, they tell you, I mean, when when do you find out? When do they, uh, what's, uh, you, you know, you're, you're coming from the football career, the bodybuilding, and now you're you're finding out that you're going to be holding a title in, in wrestling. Uh-huh. I, what's I, how is that brought up to you, or how how is that feeling when you're when, when you're told varied, that you show sometimes, up? Sometimes it varied. Sometimes you'd know ahead of time because uh, you, you were doing like a lead up to the match at a, in a big pay per view or something like that, um, or so you might know weeks ahead of time, and the program is leading to that. Or sometimes that I've had a couple uh, where it was a total surprise, like when I, that night. Uh, with Hogan in Detroit back in 97 when I won the world title. Um, we were in full mode on the Monday Night Wars, and they didn't want anything to get out on the on the Internet and tip the viewers. They wanted it to be a surprise. And so I didn't find out until I was actually getting ready to go to the ring. Really? So, so you're at the so that's on... out, Eric Bischoff and Hogan called us in and said, we're, we're, we're switching the title tonight. We're going to put the belt on you. So th- that was probably the – it was almost literally right before I went to the ring, so it varied sometimes. How about you, Animal? Well, I, I just wonder what about that the night in '97 because that's you know also during a time Hogan is hot with the NWO and yeah, yeah, not not losing to anybody and has creative control of everything that happens. So, what was it about that certain time that Hogan decided this is this is the move we need to make? I think it was it was more of a fan based move. Um, they had so much heat for uh, like a year straight. They left all of us laying, and they felt that he wasn't going to wrestle Sting for I think another like six months or something or five months uh, for the big match. So they felt like they needed to throw the fans a little bone, if that makes sense, give them mm-hmm. a little something, rather than leave us laying every night. So they did the surprise switch that night live, which also added to the spontaneity of the Monday Night Wars uh, for viewership, and it also gave the fans a little bone that, that we weren't left laying all the time. We finally had a, like a little triumph, the guys who weren't in the NWO, and then the, I just we just switched the belt back at the pay-per-view the following week. So it was really, a, it was actually, a, a, I was honored that they chose me. It was, it was really a, something I felt like they wanted to give the fans a little something 
uh, and to, to get it through to when he wrestles Sting later on in the year. See, and that's great business. Yeah. That is great business Absolutely. right there. You know, I, I remember, Lex, I told Joe about this the first time Hawk and I, <laughs> you know, you, you got you to picture this. You know, I had my little stint in uh, with Crockett that lasted about three months, and Hawk, Hawk had went up to Canada. We came back, and we both kind of pretty much said, you know, you know, screw the business. You know what I mean? Screw wrestling. We don't want to do this. And we're in the gym working out, and all of a sudden, Ole Anderson calls. And, you know, of course, you're a fan of the wrestling business itself, right? I mean, I remember watching USA Network and, you know, seeing Snooka and Morocco and all these guys and Piper and everybody else on the show. So here we go. He flies Rude and I and Hawk down to Georgia Championship Wrestling. As we mm-hmm. walk in, I'm like, I had just turned 21 or 22. Going to that that office there at uh, in Turner Broadcasting, and who do I see? Sergeant Slaughter, Mr. Wrestling 1 and 2, Paul Orndorff, Tito Santana, Tommy Wildfire. Oh, Rich, Mr. Du- Wonderful. Yeah, I yeah. Paul was, oh, I loved Paul. Yeah, you know, I, I saw Dusty Rose. I saw Tommy Rich. I saw all these guys, Tim Horner, Brad Armstrong, Bob Armstrong, all, and I'm going, holy gosh, man, what did I, I said, is this going to be okay? And the first thing Ole Anderson does to us is says, hey, hey, here, here's your belt, here's your belt, don't lose them. And I, I looked at Hawk and I said, oh my goodness, I said, I heard I, that story before. Oh, I said, yeah. I said, I told Hawk, I said, that God, crazy. yeah, I said, Hawk, that was pretty easy, I guess. <laughs> you you, 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 didn't you have to, are our champions. Yeah. Well, at, yeah. at the at the time, um, I mean, God rest his soul, Matt Bourne was in a situation. Uh, there was some kind of a former statutory rape thing going on in in Virginia. So he and Arn were the mm-hmm. champs, and they had to forfeit the belts. So they were right. in a they were in a bind at the time. What are we going to do to really impress wrestling? Because wrestling was at all time low. Uh, we have to we have to dissolve this tag team. What are we going to do to shock something? And well, then <laughs> they found Hawk and I, and then. Then Hawk offered to do the, the rest du- is history. Yeah, Hawk offered to do the double Mohawks, and they came up with the pain idea. And now look, here we are, thirty-five years later, and wow. and you know it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Yeah, you never heard that story, Lex? No, that's the first yeah. time I ever heard that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't talk about it very much. I'll talk about it in a setting, but I I, I talked yeah. about it with Joe before. Yeah. But. All right, so you guys that have talked great. about the first time you guys have met. You've talked about hanging out before. When was the first time you guys were across the ring from each other? Mm, I'm seeing well, I, here when probably I with the horsemen. I'm looking uh, back. Got, well, I'm yeah. able to look back here and I I'm seeing the first match that I've been able to find is March of 87 in San Francisco. It would have okay. been Animal, Dusty and Hawk against you, Arn and Tully. There you go. That sounds right for six yeah. it's probably six yeah. man match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're getting in there with those guys. I mean, that's God, my God, uh, you, those six you, names. I know, Jesus. I know. But here, here's what you got a picture though. We all go in the ring, uh, you know, Hawk and I and, and Lex and, and Arn and Tully, and we're doing all these power moves, you know, power slams, press slams, suplexes, all these other stuff. And then Dusty comes in, does the windmill with his hands, and and punches each one of those guys. <laughs> Out and beats him. I mean, you, you had to be in Lex's those guys' shoes at the time, but Dusty was the boss, and he had the stroke of the pen. But it was, hey, we always had great matches. I mean, they were funny, entertaining matches. The people always left happy when we had those matches. Don't you think, Lex? 
Oh, it was easy to have a match with you guys because you guys were so <laughs> over with the fans. We could do almost anything. But with and Iron and Tully were great logistical guys in the ring as technicians and and uh, and also with the psychology of everything. I thought those guys had great psychology. So it was it was always a night off for me in those tag matches and six mans with those guys. Those guys were great, and you guys were great because the crowd just loved you guys. So it made the matches really fun and really easy to do. I loved it. Yeah, they were they were a good time, man. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that being a part—I mean, the, being a part of the Horsemen—did that fit who Lex Luger was? Oh my gosh, that launched my career. I to get an opportunity to come in out of one year of wrestling in my rookie year and be one of the four Horsemen. My gosh, so looking back, what an incredible opportunity! One of the greatest heel groups of all time. Oh so yeah, I, yeah. And not only amazing, that, amazing opportunity to come sure. to come in and have. Not only Tully and Arn, but Flair and JJ. This is our muscle. What are you going to do now, Ruin Warriors? Look, look, now you got your equal. I mean, that was big back then, man, because yeah. you got to understand, we, we have a very visual business, Joe. Mm-hmm. I told you this before. And the people are looking at Lex, and here's this guy, you know, he, he's 6'4, 275, shredded, and then there's Hawk and I. And then now mm-hmm. the Road Warriors have got an equal now in the ring, and that was huge because. So many guys in the ring, it didn't matter who you were. We, you know, we it was at the time of the business back then. I mean, we were mauling everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first time we got in the ring with Sting, we mauled him in like two seconds, you know. But you know, when Lex got in there, it, it was a, a respect, and in the eyes of the people, we knew we had to do our job too, as well, to make Lex look like that guy, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it's a give and take in this business. It always has been. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, so, Lex, we, you know, you, well, Anna, you were talking lifestyle. Yeah. You were talking changes in, yeah. in lifestyle. What, what specifically mm-hmm. were you, uh, were you alluding to there, uh, Joe? Well, you know, there comes a certain point in your life, Joe, where um, uh, I remember when my son James was about, well, 11 years old. And even though you're successful, Joe, and you're making money and doing everything else, Something had a change in my life. I, I needed to give my kids, if anything, before I leave this earth, purpose and have some drive and know that there is uh, a, a higher being, per se, than just dad and mom. You know what I mean? And so um, I had introduced, uh, I, I took my family to an uh, event down in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona called uh, Athletes International Ministry Convention. And Went down there and, uh, you know, my family was pretty much, you know, I was a Catholic. I mean, I was an altar boy. I was a, the kid that snuck a little sips of the wine when I, you know, the priests weren't looking and rang the bells during communion and the whole works and was the altar boy, the whole works in the Catholic church. But then, honestly, Joe, after my mom died, you know, I said, I said to myself, well, what kind of God would take my mom? You know, I mean, my mm-hmm. mom was the sweetest person on this earth, man. She was awesome. And I miss her to this day. It's been like 25 years and I miss her. But <clears throat> in doing so, I had got introduced to the, the, the Christian lifestyle that Ted DiBiase and Nikita were, were living at the time. And I'm saying, you know, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, I was skeptical at first, man. I'm saying, oh, man, I don't want to be a Bible banger. This whole works. But when you get there and you see the athletes and you hear their stories and you see people that have gone through the same path kind of like a destruction of your life that you were going through and everything else. And sometimes thinking you're higher and mighty than anybody else. And you're really not, 
you get brought down to reality and you get humbled. And that's what I did. And I said, man, I have to do something for my kids so my kids can learn to have a personal relationship that when I'm gone at the end of the day, they got to have somebody they got to rely on. And there's nobody better than they can rely on themselves than having their own personal relationship with God. Everybody can have a relationship with God the way they want to have it. But as long as they are introduced to that relationship, they got to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk with it, like Flair says, right? So, and that's what I did. And that's what I made the commitment to have a lifestyle change. And I did it. And it was the best thing I could have done for uh, my my son, James, and Joe, and my daughter, Jessica, for my grandkids and everything else, you know. And, and unfortunately, you know, my, my ex was didn't believe in God or anything else. And that's, that's not the only reason why we're not together today, but that's a reason, you know, because she was kind of like an atheist type with, with it, you know. And... Um, <clears throat> And and that was a lifestyle change that I made, you know. And so, I, what year was that? Uh, uh, when was that the athletes uh, in action that you were in your man? And then, you know, James James was well, James was thirty, so that was, I mean that was, he was eleven. So how many years ago would that have been? Nineteen. Nineteen years ago. Wow. Yeah. And then <clears throat> Hawk, right? What when didn't Hawk go to that same conference? Was it the same year or a different year? Um, it was the year after. No, it, it might have been the same year. He he called me up because he had a we had a booking, and I he says Adam, I got a booking this weekend. I said, bro, I can't do it. That's and, an incredible story. I mean, Hawk. I mean, Hawk was. If anybody ever said least likely to, least likely to become a believer, a lot of people would have said, well, of all the wrestlers. Um, Hawk definitely was probably with the lifestyle. He was a people would have thought he was maybe the, one of the least likely, right? So oh, his bro. story is incredible. Uh, right? yeah, you, 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 know, you know, had a dramatic transformation, right? Like a road to Damascus. Yeah, you would have uh, you, you, you would have thought Jesus would have had to get in his deep bag of tricks for that one to get Hawk. No, but we got we we were going to do the event, and uh, Hawk says I got a booking, and I says I can't come, and then all of a sudden he says, he says why, and I told him why. I said, Hawk, you're not going to want to do it, bro. I said, I'm, I'm taking my family down to a Christian convention. You're not going to want to do it. And he goes, hold on a minute. And then he calls me back, and he talked to his wife, Dale, at the time, and he says, do you think we can come too? I said, well, I don't know. Here's, here's the pastor's number. You call him. See what you can work out. Well, lo and behold, he shows up. Well, happened to be the same weekend, Lex, that Shawn Michaels showed up. Mm. Shawn Michaels wasn't even a Christian guy. I wasn't even saved. I watched, wow. and the last time Shawn Michaels and Hawk saw each other, Hawk beat Shawn up in uh, in Italy. Oh my god! In Milan, Italy. So when they got together that day, I watched, I witnessed Hawk and Shawn crying in each other's arms like babies, and it was quite mm. a sight to see. You know how strong we are in our business, man. Guys don't really show oh, their yeah. emotions, right? And they were doing that, <clears throat> and they both. I mean, listen, do any of us shove it down anybody's throat if they don't want to believe? No, but. Like, Sean is devout to this day. Hawk died in a good place, even after all the wrong that Hawk did and all the stupid things that Hawk did. He made peace. And, you know, doubt in my mind, he's sitting up there with all our buddies up there at the right hand of the God, right? Yeah. And so, and, and and then, you know, we, we got to do events. I mean, we did, you know, <clears throat> what I did is I said to myself, listen, I got a platform. So when Ted DiBiase came to me and said, listen, I got the Power Wrestling Alliance, and he was going to do wrestling events, and have them inside churches where some churches, like Tommy Burnett's down in Scottsdale, we had like 6,000 people there. Mm. And you go do it, and then at the you have a regular match, and then at the end of the match, you go and you say, listen, man, 
There's a little bit of insight here. I want to tell you people when DiBiase comes down to try to buy you off, he said, listen, you can't buy us because we've already been purchased. Bam. You hit it, and then the people go crazy, and you get a good cheer in it. But it's a good, believable, heartfelt cheer. You know what I mean? So, mm. but I mean, you know, that, that that's what I meant by lifestyle change, Joe. When I said that, you know, and I'm a realist with it. You're going to have people that are going to say yay, or people to say nay. But you know, at the end of the day, listen, it is what it is. I believe what I believe in. You know, I go around speaking mm. today still on this. You know, and uh, you know, I, I feel like. I, not only was I successful in the wrestling ring, I got a bigger purpose. I do anti-bullying campaigns, and it's one of the things that hit off when I do that. Listen, kids need vitamins. They need prayer. They need everything else. I mean, our schools need prayer, you know, and uh, if we if we don't think they do, then we're, we're in for a, a rude awakening. Lex, how about you? Oh, I, I uh, gosh, I, know I was just enjoying listening to, Animal talk about him and Hawk. I love to hear other people's stories of the redeeming, transforming power of God. And I was an atheist. Uh, not, I don't. I don't know if Animal knew this because we didn't talk about that kind of stuff in the locker room back then. But um, far from it. But uh, it's almost taboo. I was an atheist. My I was an atheist my entire adult life, and um, I had a dramatic experience uh, in April of 2006. I had made a lot of bad choices. I got really hooked on opioids and painkillers, and um, I was in a bad way. I, I uh, got arrested on drug charges. I ended up in jail. I met a jail chaplain who tried to speak into my life, but I blew him off. But he just, God placed him in my life. He hunted me down when I got out of jail in 2006, and he started coming to the gym I was at. We hung out together. He ended up sharing the gospel, uh, the good news to me, in, in April of 2006. And my life was transformed April 23rd of 2006. And I was forgiven, redeemed, and transformed. And my life has never been the same. I, I always felt like, I don't know if you can relate to this animal, but I always felt like there was, you talked about a little, alluded to a little bit, I always felt like no matter how much success I had, how much money I made, I always felt like there was more. I, felt, I was restless. I felt like there was something missing. I didn't realize that the weird God designed all of us whether we, we acknowledge, ever acknowledge it or not, to have a relationship with him. And for me, that's what was missing. I had an instant peace that the Bible tells us surpasses all understanding. I had a whole new direction and purpose in my life. And it's been and, and, and just from that moment forward, and I'm, and I'm so thankful for that. You know, I, I try to explain this to people sometimes, Lex. Well, you only experience it. You can talk about that, it. That's, what, I, that's what I'm saying. They say, how do you know, animal? How do you know? And I was the biggest doubter ever. I was an atheist. I, I was oh, an bro, atheist to a believer. I, I'm telling you. of 06. I blew it all off after my mom died, right? For 20-something years, I said, that, no I way. Used to make fun of, I used to make fun of the Christian guys. Yeah, me, yeah, like me, said, me, yeah. Me, me too, man. Bible bangers, Bible thumpers, whatever you want to call them. I, yeah. I, I remember... I remember one time I was up with Ted DiBiase up in Valdor, about 250 miles north of, actually about 200 miles north of Valdor up in Canada. You're right below the Arctic Circle, right? Nothing but Eskimo people up there in a small tribe, a small church. He said, yeah, you want to come up there and speak? There was literally 25 people in the church. And the, the husband and wife did it, and the son and daughters were their assistants. So it was all family. And when those people, about 10 of them, laid hands on me and I try to explain to people with laying hands when when you when you can feel 
a literal positive physical presence of something going through you, it is unexplainable, that mm. feeling. And if it didn't happen to me, I wouldn't be that's sitting here the talking whole, to you. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. You know, I, I talk. I, that was ho- that Holy Spirit something. I thought you used to think it was hokey, hocus pocus. Hocus, hocus oh, hey, bro, I, I, I thought maybe I was a voodoo Not doll. A I thought maybe I was a voodoo doll. Someone was poking at me or something, right? Yeah. But I, but I tell people this the same day. I'll tell you a story here real quick. My brother Mark, my dad had just passed away a year ago. My brother Mark was standing with me. My brother Mark was the same way. He was a, very much a scientific guy, kind of like an atheist type person. My father passed away. My dad died. Yeah, I, call, I, call, I called us doubters. Yeah, you're right. My dad died in my Skeptic. arms. I don't think I ever told you this, Lex. My dad died in my arms, right? And when he did, my brother was holding him from behind. I was holding him from the front. And my brother looked at me, and his eyes got big as saucers. He goes, what was that? I said, did you feel that? He said, yeah. I said, Dad's spirit just went through you, Mark. That's exactly what that is. Wow. He goes, wow. That goes, that changed your feeling. I never felt anything like that. I said, yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Went inside your soul and out, didn't it? He goes, yes. I said, that will stay with you forever, man. That was Dad blessing you to, to feel that way. And, you know, when you feel something like that and you go through it, you yearn to feel it again. Because it is a once-in-a-lifetime deal, right? And it is so strange to some people that haven't felt it. But, I'm, I mean, I could tell you, you could tell me firsthand. I could tell you firsthand. I could tell the listeners firsthand. And, listen, you know, I, like I say, I don't Bible-thump anybody. But I'll tell you what, there are th- some things in this world that are unexplainable and that are real. And I've experienced them. Mm. You know? Mm-mm-mm. I know, crazy, right? I mean, who would have thought? We have a revival here on the podcast. No kid, right? Who would have thought? No, Joe Roderick <laughs> sitting over, Joe Roderick sitting over there thinking, go, what, what are these that, guys Joe? talking about? I know, you know, but it, it's one of those things. Oh, Listen, it, it, yeah, I, I know. Let's go start singing him. Let's go into Lex going to the hymnal now, right? But it's kind of oh, funny though. God. I mean, like, like I said, growing up at altar boy, I could tell you right now, and I could recite a whole Catholic mass right now. I can tell you at the contritions, the Holy Marys, our fathers, everything, praying for forgiveness of sins, everything else, because it's so repetitious and right after another, and it's bred into you for, because I was a Catholic boy. I went to Catholic school for eight years, right? Mm-hmm. And, but this is totally different, man. This is a totally different situation. And, hey, it is what it is, man. My life's for the better with it. I know your life is for the better with it, Lex. I get to see you on appearances mm-hmm. a lot of times. Without Some, a doubt. Sometimes we do secular appearances. Sometimes we do... You know, Christian appearances, either way, it's mm-hmm. always great to see, you, and I love doing them, and they're a great time, yeah. and we get a great response from the crowd. I know the crowd comes out. They love seeing the total package. I know that. I mean, it's, well, it's, just, it's awesome. You, you, know? you will uh, you'll be down at, uh, at WrestleCon, too. I uh, I see. Part, also part of uh, T-Mart Promotions. With, uh, awesome. With yeah. Yeah. So, it's going to be great. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we will see you down there Friday at noon to 3, and then Saturday Nine to noon. So yeah. nice. I'm with Lex both those times. Yeah, yeah I'm, just, a, I'm with you both those times too, man. Fabulous. Yeah, cool. you uh, somehow, Joe, you got roped into a lot more hours. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, 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 I made I made a side deal with Marty. He, he agreed there to take go. care of a couple extra things. So there you go. That is going to be great, Animal. Look forward to it. Yeah, see man. It'll, guys, be, yeah. It'll, it'll be it'll be it'll be great to see you. Is always incredible, incredible event i it gets it just gets bigger and bigger people come from all over the planet it's a global event now and it's 
It's always a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, guys. Hey, Zilak, be, uh, are, you, are you going over to FanFest at all? Is WWE bringing you over for FanFest or anything? Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I don't. I'm not sure yet. Well, Lex, I, uh, I look forward to uh, coming over there, shaking your hand, talking to you a bit at uh, at WrestleCon. This is my first WrestleMania, so and wow, the uh, you're gonna love it. I, you know what? I've, in the past, I've just enjoyed having about you know ten, fifteen people over at the house and watching it on TV. But figure I'm doing this podcast, I'm hanging out with uh, with Animal. I might as well take full advantage of it and see how many things his name go. can get me into that weekend. We were just talking about truly experiencing someone. You're going to truly experience WrestleMania for the first time, my friend. I know. You're going to love it. Can't wait yeah. for that. It's a great, great fan experience. You know what? And the guys don't it like is. to say it either, but it's good for the guys, too. I it mean, is. it's we good for us because, like, like, Lex will tell you. Know you know what? The, 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 the year they stop inviting you, you're going to you're gonna miss that, right? I well, mean, no, but here's, <laughs> here, here's a great part about it, too, is that you'll have people from Kuwait and Brussels and Germany and Italy and you know Ireland and Scotland and everything, Japan coming over, want your autograph and want your picture and want to take a picture with you. That is awesome to me because they're not mm-hmm. from the U.S. or from those other countries that make the trip. You know they're spending twenty five hundred dollars just to fly over just to meet you, mm-hmm. which is a totally humbling thing, man. It's it's great. That's mm-hmm. why when I do all my appearances now, Lex will tell you. I bring my spike shoulder pads. Are they a pain in the butt for me? Yes. But I bring them for the fans to put on, to take a photo, to be a part of the action for that five minutes or 10 minute interaction they have, you know, because they've spent their hard earned money and, you know, had uh, taken their paycheck and, and they, you know, go through their adjustment on their paycheck and they put so much aside for their family to be able to go to wrestling. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to appreciate that after all these years, you know? You yeah. gotta get, gotta give back. Once in a lifetime experience for sure, for the fans, for us, for everybody. Well, Lex, we will, uh, we'll see you down there in just Thanks, a uh, just Thanks a couple days. On, by the way, thank you so much for uh, for all your time. It. It's an honor, Lex. All as, right, guys. as always, I'll great talking to you, bud. Great talking to you, my Thanks. friend. See you guys in New Orleans. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, bud. Take care. Bye bye. That was awesome. I, I, you know, Joe, you come to me and it's, you know, the different names that you come to me with every week for who we're going to have on and, you know, it, it just various points of your career that were hitting everything. And, you know, Al yeah. Snow a few weeks ago, I don't, I don't think you ever had a match against Al Snow in your life. No, I but didn't. you, your friendship with Al Snow came to be when, you know, on, on the road at conventions and now you and Al are really good friends. From seeing each other post career, it's something like The Godfather. You and you and The Godfather didn't start hanging out till what the mid nineties, mid to late nineties, or probably mid mid nineties when he was when he was Papa Shango and you were in the WWF. You guys never had any territory yeah. days together, anything like that. And then no, there's no, somebody no. like Lex. You go all the way back to the mid eighties that you've yeah. you've known Lex. It, it's just well, it's like that camaraderie I told you about. Right. You, you understand the respect of what it takes to be a top guy or be anybody in our business, and you just have that that camaraderie and that respect. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Some of the uh, the stories that we're uh, that we're hearing. And getting to uh, getting you and other guys to yeah, tell. Yeah, like we talked about the stuff today, man, that people have never even heard before. Nope. I mean, you know, and, and you know, it's not something that you you know you you go and you you boast about or you brag about or you want to you know diss somebody for. Listen, life's life. Life happens, and we're not the only ones. It happens to every fan out there listening too. Right. Well, we uh, we appreciate him coming on. Next time, 
you hear the voice of me and Joe. We will be in New Orleans. I uh, hey, I have I have the shirts all set and ready to go for WrestleCon. We got all those Our shirts for uh, Rush for that podcast t-shirts. And if you come to the booth at T Mart, you will get a t-shirt. And well, you got to pay for it. Well, yes. You got to pay. No, yes. <laughs> if you want to buy a t-shirt, you can buy. It. Yes. You're not gonna get one if you show up. And you the mini t-shirt. And the Road Warrior Animal Mini Brawler. Yes, that you too. get a mini brawler too, yeah. free. So I actually sold. I actually sold one of those. So all week I've been doing the radio, and with they stream, they they stream it live. They do a live stream of that. Uh-huh. So every day you see, I'm I, every day I've worn a different podcast shirt. I've I worn a it. different wrestling shirt, and had somebody reach out to me uh, the other day on social media and say, "Hey, I want to buy one of those. How much?" He bought it. There you he, go. He man. bought the uh, bought the shirt. So well, well, that's the way it starts, man. Yeah, that's, that's that was nice uh, that was nice. So yeah, we, we, we will have we those lot, shirts like for I, you. I told you before, we got a lot of great wrestling fans out there. Uh, the thing is, is that we've only reached what ten thousand or so. Well, you wait till we get out there in the masses, man. When the people in the UK and overseas get the get to know, get yeah, get to know our podcast. The the the, the demographics we're going to be able to reach. We'll be able to do stuff. They'll listen to us all the way in Kuwait. And guitar for guitar pro wrestling with my good friend Ali Marafi. I mean, well, I'm telling you, man, I've I've been kind of spreading this around a little bit, trying to get people to awesome. tune in. Awesome. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, big thank you to Lex Luger for jumping on the show. Uh, real excited about next week's uh, podcast. We will announce our sister podcast next week on the show. So uh, until then, Animal, take us home. Yes, you've been listening to another episode of Oh, What a Rush Podcast. My co-host, Joe Can we Roderick. get Jacob to do it? For the, oh, Jacob, What a Rush. Come here, come here, I bet he's giving a, give a few. Do the Oh, What a Rush. Oh, What a Rush. boy, Perfect. Jacob. There you go. Future Road Warrior right there, bro. Remember the L-O-D. That's the L-O-D grandson, Jacob. <laughs>